How many singles are you going to release before the album's out? Any idea? Yes. Uh, let's see. There'll be Pocket Knife. There's one coming out on the 17th of this month called Petricor. There's going to be, uh, there'll be four before the record comes out. And, you know, if the, 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 the the era under which I sort of like came up with music, as I'm sure you're aware, it was very different. Like you put out a single, what was it like 16 weeks before the album dropped yes. something, something, it felt like a, a, a torturous period of time that you had to wait before the record came out for us as the band, you know? Um, and then you drop the whole record. And then if it was going well, people would go out and they'd actually buy the physical product. Yes. Um, but in, in an attempt to, continually adapt to this moving target that is the, the current iteration of the music industry. Um, I'm just putting out singles. We are essentially like as musicians, we, we make music and you essentially are putting it out for free um, in hopes that people will uh, enjoy it enough that it catches into an algorithm and uh, hopefully it goes viral. And by the way, we need a new way of describing when something's being successful and, and the COVID and post-COVID era, going viral just feels terribly inappropriate all of a sudden as I'm saying it out loud. I see what you mean. Maybe put four asterisks next to the statistic. Yeah, because exactly. you raise a really, really good point. You know, platinum in this country is still a million copies or the equivalent mm. of uh, 28 million streams and 44,000 units sold or some mathematical formula we don't know but reach and sales are just a totally different thing so yeah. in your case my opinion not your words you've been at the highest of highs possible with rock you know many mm -hmm. singles on the radio arena tours etc per se so i just have to assume at this point in time when you're writing and you're putting out new music it's not contractual obligations it's genuinely i feel inspired mm. Yeah, and also um, Incubus, myself, like all of our projects that we that we do, um, they've been largely independent over the last, or God, like six years or something like that, maybe even longer. And um, I did partner with a label called The Orchard for this mm -hmm. release, um, which so far has been um, a really cool partnership, but it looks different. It's not like a traditional record contract, you know? The, a record contract from the old days was very different to a record contract of today and a record contract of today doesn't really like um, serve what I'm trying to do very well. I, I do, you're, you're very right in that assumption. Like I, I make music and I make art uh, because I love the process. I love the process of writing songs. I love the process of painting pictures, taking pictures. Um, there's something about it that, uh, it's a way that I suppose I make sense of the world, you know, mm. and I'm, I feel very blessed to have these, um, these outlets and these avenues to be able to do so. Um, but yeah. Hashtag blessed. So, yeah, right. <laughs> so uh, pocket knife was co-written with the producer, John, did he co-write mm -hmm. all of the album or, Hey, Hey, no, no, no. Take, take a sip of that drink. You're worth it. You, okay. you hydrate the, the, Wrote of a vocalist. Uh, I'm curious, did you write everything with John or are there outside collaborators besides John on this album? Um, it's mostly written by John and I. Um, we put our heads together. Um, I suppose it was just maybe six months into the pandemic uh, when we were still in proper lockdown. 
And uh, we were sharing ideas back and forth over Zoom calls and emails and stuff. And we recorded uh, everything remotely. The, the musical stuff was mostly recorded at his studio um, on the east side of Los Angeles. And the vocals and other instrumentations that I did were recorded here at my house. But um, I think seven, seven or seven or eight out of the, the tracks or John and I wrote them together. There's mm -hmm. uh, a cover song at the end of the record called The End of the World. And it's a cover uh, by a band called Aphrodite's Child, who uh, I wasn't aware of until a couple of years ago, but I heard their version from the seventies of this song, The End of the World. And it was weird to me that it wasn't like a more famous song because it's so unusual and unique and like the production was so rad on it. So um, right before the pandemic started, I had already recorded the cover with um, friends of mine who played with me in the Sons of the Sea project, which was my last solo project. Um, so it's uh, Greg Rogov from, uh, he plays drums with Devendra Banhart. Um, Joel Shearer is a guitar player who has played with everybody from like Alanis Morissette to, um, Yonzi from uh, Sigur Ross. Mm -hmm. uh, it's uh, Zach Ray, who's the keyboard player in uh, Death Cab for Cutie, and my friend Milo De Cruz, who's just an amazing musician and an artist here in Los Angeles. And we did this cover for no reason. It was just like, you guys, I love this song. I've been wanting to cover it for years. Are you down? They were like, yes. So we did that. John mixed it. Um, and it sounds awesome. And then the other track that I did by myself here was uh, a cover from Angel Olsen uh, called Fly on Your Wall. And I just recorded a really basic piano and some other like ambient sounds and stuff. And then John mixed it. That's actually something that you said in that last sentence that I was curious about. When I think of great rock frontmen who don't have a guitar in their hands or a keyboard, there usually comes that one part of the show where they pick up a guitar. Like mm. Joe Elliott from Def Leppard have the guitar on the one song go, oh, he, he does yeah. play guitar. In your right. case, uh, do you write primarily on guitar or piano? Or are you one of those people where you're walking down the street, you hear the damn melody, and then you track it based off of that? That one. <laughs> so do you actually hear the songs in your head produced and then everyone has to try and recreate that? There, I mean, there's lots of different ways that it happens um, depending on what the song is, but most of what I know how to do for most of my life is um, born of silence. I am in some kind of a quiet place. It's been an interesting process with painting actually, because so much of the time when I'm painting in my little studio here, um, it's quiet. Uh, and I have the windows open. I let the sound of like the Santa Monica mountains come in and um, that kind of, uh, that, that biophony for lack of a better term, though, I don't know if I could find a better term to describe it. It is a, it is a, it's a biophony, uh, that inspires a lot of melodies It inspires a lot of lyrics and, um, they're disparate. They just sort of drift in. Yeah. And, um, I've learned how to kind of like capture them with my little, like butterfly net <laughs> got you <laughs> and I, you know write them down or transcribe them somehow and then i'll build music around them sometimes and then sometimes i'm lucky enough to work with um musicians at the caliber of like the guys in incubus who've been my best friend since i was a little kid 
Yeah. Um, so they definitely make me sound like a better musician than I actually am. Or I'm lucky enough to befriend someone like John Congleton, who's also a really wild musician and a producer. And then the way that he works and the way that I work tends, it, it can like fuse and gel into something kind of fantastic. So. And yet again, you said something that was leading towards something I was going to ask about. Incubus is on that list of great bands that basically formed in junior high school or high school. There's you right. guys and you two and clutch long list of cool artists that people don't always realize chili peppers, etc. Yeah. When you were starting off as a musician, was the long-term goal to also be an author, poet, art, artist, gatherer, gatherer kind of type, or did all of that happen organically? In other words, are you one of those 20 year plans kinds of artists? No, uh, I've learned how to plan uh, in my middle age. <laughs> middle learned. age. Oh. Yeah. Can you believe it? It's amazing. Um, I'm happy with middle age, by the way. I know I'm digressing a little bit, but uh, I've never been happier and uh, I've never felt better like in my body, touch wood, um, at 45 years old. So that's kind of fun. Uh, but yeah, I, um, I, I was pretty certain that I was going to be uh, an, an, an artist, but in the, in the, the, the painterly sense, or um, I was also really interested in um, animation and experimental animation when I was a kid in high school. And in fact, I was if I had a plan of any kind, I was, I was leaning towards going to college for um, painting and experimental animation. And then um, we started getting offered record deals right around that time. Mm -hmm. So I made the decision along with the other guys in the band to uh, drop out of college and uh, go on the road. Like, let's see what this rock and roll thing has to offer. But what's amazing about it is that um, it offered a, even though making music and being in a band uh, became our kind of loving obsession for decades. And if you don't, if you're not like obsessed with it, you're not going to succeed. It can't be like this thing you casually do. And if there are people out there that have succeeded that way, like bravo, <laughs> I guess to me, it, it's, this, it's this incredible challenge. It's intellectually challenging, physically demanding. It, it's almost impossible to do if I'm being perfectly honest. Um, but uh, the, the periods of time when you're not on stage, whether you're you know, in the car or you're in the hotel room or you're in the airport or on the train, whatever you know, mode of transport you're uh, perpetually on, there are these long periods of time where um, you can, it's like it's your choice what you're gonna do with those moments. And I feel like that's where a lot of other artists get snared and they get snared into um, habits that are really kind of destructive. And I definitely fell into some of those snares a few times as well. But I learned that if I kept myself occupied uh, with reading and writing and painting, um, it kind of would keep me on like a path of sorts. So I guess maybe I did have a plan now that I'm saying it out loud. My plan was to just keep making, just keep expressing myself creatively. And so I've been doing that and it's been really fun and rewarding to to be able to develop like a, a fine arts career alongside a music career yeah when when you talk about decades you know pull, pulling that out we're one of those households <laughs> that has that you know, my wife is you have old. physical copy i love it <laughs> and so you know in following you for decades had i listened to the science album you know 
back then, which I did, you wouldn't go, oh, you know, that guy is an author and a philanthropist and a poet. So you're one of those people to me that doesn't show all the cards in the lyrics. We don't listen to a song like Drive and go, hey, that's that's everything the guy does per se. So it's always been interesting to see what you're doing because it's very surprising. I, I remember in the early days of satellite radio hearing you on Jim Brewer's show, and he was saying, coming up next, we have a friend, a poet, and you go, oh, wait, poet? Oh, okay. So continuously surprising in your choices. And I mentioned before, Moonlight Arts Collective. How long was that in the works for? Because it was founded in 2021, but we all know things take longer than the press releases say. Yeah. First of all, I have to say, I, I, uh, I appreciate your words um, and I appreciate you having a physical copy of science because it's from a different time. And that means you spent whatever was like the 1699 or whatever, the, the wife <laughs> or if you did. got it in the bargain bin or oh, your wife well, did amazing. Tell the wife bought it at retail <laughs> price. I, I, I don't nice. see like the stamp through the UPC. I right. bought it out of the bargain bin on long Island. I admit that, but you know, we didn't help your sound scans. <laughs> Either way. Thank you. Um, yeah. Moonlight arts collective. It was, you know, I've been, like I said, I've been I've been painting my since I can remember for most of my life, and um, it always occurred to me in my own experience that creativity as a larger kind of broad stroke was something that was a little bit more like uh, uh, the way I've described it before, and I apologize if you've heard me describe it this way, but it's like more like a tree as opposed to one sprout. Mm-hmm. Um, And so I've always felt more comfortable in my experience climbing all over the tree. Like I love to climb. I love to explore. I love to see what happens if you go over here or if you go over here, you go way high up and you fall down and you climb back up. You know, that's been my experience. Um, And I contented myself for most of my life to just be like, I'm climbing the tree. But over the last few years, I've become more curious I think it was actually after I read uh do you know the author Douglas Rushkoff mm-hmm. yeah so throwing rocks at the google bus find the others all that stuff his phrase find the others inspired me and inspired me to uh kind of uh take off my because I go like this when I start working I'm just like full blinders mega focus on just whatever your, what's what, that called uh, an artist yes yeah right <laughs> <laughs> so I became curious during the pandemic I was like, I know there are more people like me who uh, are out there. I, I know it. I, I, I knew a handful of sort of uh, multidisciplinary artists um, who are friends. Mm-hmm. And I figured I would reach out to them to see if they'd be interested in um, utilizing any of the resources that I had gathered over the last sort of 12 years of doing fine art print releases. I've been doing these limited edition um print releases on like beautiful archival paper. They're hand-signed and numbered and people seem to really enjoy them. And it allows like uh, collectors of all sorts. It, it brings them into the conversation as opposed to, I've done this painting and it's $30,000 or $500,000, you know, fuck you if you can't afford it, that kind yeah. of a thing, which is the, the kind of normal art world vibe, which is fine. That's like, that's fine. That's that thing. But um, it's been, really enjoyable, rewarding, um, and so many other things to 
to have like these print releases and have people be so happy about them and so stoked and to collect at that level. And I do it myself. So I just basically started reaching out to other artists and got this amazing response. And so we start our first releases um, in January. And the first set of releases for Moonlight Arts Collective are collaborative pieces. So it's um, a good friend of mine who is a photographer and an incredible multidisciplinary person. His name is Brian Bowen Smith. He's done, he did the photography for the Morning View album and um, he was our tour photographer, but he's like a fashion photographer. Um, he had a career as a pro skater. He had a career as a gymnast. He had a he has a degree in criminology. He's this person who also loves to climb the tree. Too many talents. Oof. Yeah, and he's this incredible photographer. So he shot these beautiful pictures of my girlfriend, Sarah, who uh, is a recently retired ballerina, who also is a multi-talent. Um, and then I painted on the pictures. That's our first release. And then I'm doing a collaborative release with um, uh, a, a Filipina actor and philanthropist um, named Hart Evangelista. Yes. And then we'll be doing print releases with her. We're working with uh, Mark Mothersbaugh, who's also sort of the, the consummate multi-hyphenate. Oh um, yeah. His building, uh, every time you drive by that on Sunset Boulevard, hmm. you just go, smartest guy there is. <laughs> I know. I'm, I honestly, I was, I can believe it, but I'm still kind of glowing at the fact that he's like, yeah, let's do a print release together. Like, I love this fucking guy. You know, he's, he's like a, he's a kind of a hero of mine, if I'm being honest, but anyway, lots of amazing um, artists. Aaliyah Shawcat, I believe is participating. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, John Gorley from Portugal, the man is an incredible illustrator. What part of it that's fun for me is that like, is finding out who also loves painting and drawing. Cause it's kind of a nerdy thing. You gotta be like, you gotta be really into hanging out by yourself and being obsessive. And once again, the blinders and just like looking down for hours or weeks at a time. Um, so yeah, I think it's gonna be a lot of fun. In, in terms of multi-platinum singers who also dabble in painting, have you seen any of David Lee Roth's recent paintings on Instagram? I've, I've seen little bits here and there and he's also somebody um, who I would love to uh, do a print release with. A lot of these people, you know, they like David is a perfect example. Like they don't need me to do print releases. They could very successfully do them on their own. But what I'm hoping it, through the, the idea of creating a collective is to, is to have a, a space where people like want to come in and we can kind of lean into each other and do collaborative works and put our heads together and see what can happen when we put our heads together. That's been in my experience with, with art and with creativity, some of my most favorite experiences have been just that. Like even like our, our band Incubus is the result of five childhood friends, like leaning in and warming their hands around the campfire together. And then some amazing stories emerge as a result of it. So. so it sounds like we're going to have to add the term curator into your bio because currently it says painter, author, game designer, philanthropist, songwriter, and vocalist. Curator. It sounds like that's what you're doing with Moonlight Arts Collective, where you're reaching out to friends or people that you admire or both in some of those cases and saying, uh, I like what you're doing. Maybe do some of this and we can get it out to people. That's that's a curator. Yeah. Yeah. I, I uh to, to, to me, this is just like, this is just a good time. You know, a part of it too is because I get to speak to uh, 
people that have been massively influential to me as well as an artist. Um, oh. I have I have calls out to um, a few people who haven't called me back yet, but I'm hoping they will at some point who were, they're just like, they're full blown, like legacy heroes in the arts and in music and stuff. So I won't mention who those people are because it'll be that much better of a reveal if and when they do call me back. And if they don't call me back, you won't know who didn't call me back, which <laughs> now they save some face. <laughs> what that reminds me of is when you hear comedians or musicians have podcasts and it comes out in the eighth or nine episode when they basically say, you know, the reason I started this podcast was I wanted to catch up with some of my friends and meet some of my heroes. And this was just mm. an excuse to do that per se. I'm not saying mm -hmm. you need an excuse, but it sounds like you're crossing off a bunch of bucket list things while bringing great art into the world through Moonlight Arts Collective. I think, yeah, I think you're kind of right about that. I have been very, I suppose, um, conservative is the right word, though I don't like the connotation, but it, it is descriptive. <laughs> <laughs> it's descriptive of my uh, approach so far in, um, I, I haven't called in really any favors, so to speak. You know, I've mm -hmm. always been kind of, I've wanted to be respectful of my, my peers and my contemporaries time and their efforts. And, and, and I have, this is a whole different conversation, but I'm, have this weird default setting in my psychology, which it probably is indicative of some level of self-esteem shit that needs to be addressed in therapy. But um, <laughs> I, my, my default setting is, ah, they don't fucking care about what I've been doing. Like they, if, especially if I admire them, I'm like, eh, they probably think I'm a hack. And, imposter syndrome. Yes, which as I've been finding out through the Moonlight experience and talking to other artists and really like, really talking to some of my friends is really common amongst artists. Most of us have this feeling at some mm -hmm. point where it's like any minute now they're gonna figure out that I actually suck and I don't deserve any of the success that I've had. <laughs> it's kind of fascinating because a lot of these people, I would argue most if not all of them have earned where they are through dedication and tenacity, yeah. blood, sweat and tears, many, many years and occasionally decades you know, chipping away at it. And it's it's weird and kind of cosmically ironic that there's a, almost an unconscious default position that says to you somewhere, you're not worth this, you don't deserve it. <laughs> well, so I'm you, working on that too. <laughs> when you talk about peers and collaborators, your Rolodex goes deeper than most people kind of realize. I, I have a DVD that I reviewed that you were on a Pretenders live release where you yeah. did drive with Chrissy Hind and then I remember that Loud Rocks album there where you did a duet with Big Pun on you know mm -hmm. not a player so it could be to the average person like myself very surprising to see who comes out through this collective so mm -hmm. to kind of recap you know there's the collective there is the solo album which is called Echoes and Cocoons which is coming out in 2022 that, that's enough for the majority of people. Are you still looking at another book or anything else or is that mm. and parenthood just plenty? Uh, that's interesting that you say that. Parenthood has been, I'm not a parent yet, but I, um, I'm finally coming into a part of my life and my personal understanding that I- Apologies know that for I, that inaccuracy. <laughs> it oh, it's okay. No, no, I, I, I want to be a parent and I'm excited about being a parent and I love kids and I'm, 
I think I'll, I think I'll be a good dad. I, I'm definitely going to try. Um, but yeah, no, there's lots of things. And once again, going back to that, um, that symbol of the tree with the growing branches and climbing around on it. There's, there's actually lots more that I'm involved with too. And it all kind of circles back to this original spark of, of creativity. And I think at some point it's almost like a, it's a, it's a realization of some kind that artists or really anyone doesn't, you don't have to be an artist. Anyone can have this realization where you kind of almost give yourself permission to be curious and to be, uh, uh, endlessly curious and you can, you can definitely get in trouble because of it. You can get yourself in, you know, you can fall into different pits and different snares as we were talking about before. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I found, um, over, uh, a half of a lifetime that the more kind of intellectually and creatively curious that I am, the happier that I am. And so what I'd like to do is, is leave those, uh, those doors as open as possible. So I have a couple of film projects that I've been working on. I've, um, I've EP'd a couple of films now, which has been really fun. Um, there's a film that my, my girlfriend, Sarah starred in, which hasn't come out yet, but, uh, I was an EP on it as well as the music supervisor. Mm. And it's called, it's called unidentified objects. And it's this fantastic movie that they made during the first days of the pandemic, they were actually the first film to get permission to shoot legally during the pandemic. Wow. And we did it on a shoestring budget with a first time film director. Um, and so the whole crew are from Colombia, which is pretty amazing because Incubus has this amazing history with Colombia. We have some of our most memorable concerts are there, but this uh, director of photography and the director are so incredibly talented um, that my girlfriend, Sarah, was just intrigued by the project. So she jumped on board. And then as I started to learn about the project, I wanted to jump on board too, because it felt like a no brainer. So there's lots of stuff. It's fun. Wow. I'm looking forward to seeing that, watching that, et cetera. My last question for you comes out of nowhere and it's piggybacking on whether you had seen David Lee Roth's art and that's oh right biggest fan of van halen and incubus that okay so everybody in our band are fans like i we all grew up with van halen and um it would be normally a tough question to answer but there's one guy in the band who every time there has been like an open mic and the band starts to play a Van Halen song, especially like a David Lee Roth era song, he jumps on stage and just starts wailing on the mic. And it's Ben Kenny, our bass player. So Ben is also a multi-talent. He's a really great photographer. We, you, we know and love him as the bass player of Incubus, but he actually is a guitar player and a drummer by trade. So when we met Ben, he was the guitar player in The Roots. And, um, oh, that's who Ben is. I thought yeah. he was familiar. Got it. So we toured with the Roots. We did the, uh, Moby's Area One tour. It was like it was Moby us. Blue um, Man Group or Bowie, or was that the next year? That was the next iteration of it. Yeah, but the year we did it was Nelly Furtado, the Roots. Um, I think that Outcast may have been on it too. Anyway, we did it, and we became friends with Ben, and then. Shortly thereafter, we were like, hey, you like rocking, don't you? <laughs> you know? And then we had to like go, we, we like went over to like the Roots house and asked 
the the roots parents like could we take ben on a date indefinitely and they were like okay yeah and we had this like it was like this marriage of sorts and we've stayed stayed close with the roots over the years um but yeah ben kenny he's uh he does a version of unchained by van halen that's pretty fantastic and i'm pretty sure it's on youtube somewhere like an open mic night have to look for that and then it sounds like i'm gonna have to interview him for my book about david lee roth coming in 2022 but you should (laughs) bottom line brandon thank you for the many great great years of art or should i say the many years of great art looking forward to the next (laughs) album looking forward to that movie congrats on the collective and just keep up all the greatness there thank you so much darren i appreciate your time outro cast